0: The reality is, I don't know if you've ever walked into a room where the lights are off, but whether you're afraid of darkness or not, walking into that room, there's an immediate response that you'll have because when you're in darkness, you just cannot see. And the unfortunate thing about darkness is that when we're in darkness, it's hard to perceive things hard to understand. But here's the beauty of what Christ means to us. And that is, he says that he came to bring light. And that light is the light of the world. So the blessing of you being brought into the light and no longer walking your life, living your life in darkness. Because now your perspective has changed. You realize that there is a God, that he is concerned, that in spite of hardship and challenge, that does not mean that he is not there. Amen? Oftentimes we struggle, as I mentioned perspective, oftentimes we struggle with God and his, his plan in our life because we then evaluate God based upon our circumstances rather than understanding our circumstance based upon God. Because one is unfair to him because ultimately what you're going through then you now define him according to that. Rather than defining him according to his who he is. So the reality of who he is is evident when you have to meet when you need him or have to have him do something that he is. Only qualified to do so. How do you ever know him to be a deliverer if you've never been bound by something? Yeah, that's right. How do you know him to be a savior if you don't realize that you are in need of saving? How do you know him to be a keeper if you don't find yourself feeling unkept? How do you know him to be a provider? until you are in a place where you need So really, if my perspective changes when I go through challenge and trouble, I realize how God is able to prove himself, rather than because I'm going through, I question who he is. <clears throat> so I question who he is because I'm going through. Rather than understanding that what I'm going through allows me to see him be who he says he is. Oh, there's a different perspective because now I see something different. The word says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers him, her, them, out of them all. So when I am in affliction, I have to say, God, you promised to bring me out. So here's how I see you as my deliverer because I now need to be delivered. And once you've delivered me, then I then look back and say, he is my deliverer. I'll share this with you before I get into this because I just want to exhort you with this. Job, that man of the Bible who went through so much hardship, loss and tragedy, Devastation There's something about Job That I want to point out to you The Bible starts out In the first chapter of Job With God Making a declaration about Job He said he is a man who's upright He's an upright man And that he eschews evil When he sees it he's, He's trying to make sure to keep evil out but here's something that I want you to understand. The first chapter of Job starts with us understanding that Job didn't do anything to deserve the hardship he was facing. But here's the thing, in the 42nd chapter, as it begins, as the story unfolds and begins to conclude in the climax, you'll find Job saying this. He says, I have heard of your goodness, but now I know because I've seen it for myself. See, the thing is, Job worshiped and praised and served God based upon what he was told. But by the time he gets to chapter 42, he said, Don't nobody have to tell me anymore. I know for myself. And all I'm trying to get you to understand is that when you are in a time where God is wanting to show him. God show yourself mighty Show yourself strong Show yourself positive And then in that moment say Now I know For myself I don't have to rely on somebody else's testimony I can speak about What God has done for me So it's a matter of perspective Say perspective So if I can change My perspective about this time of year, change my perspective about life, change my perspective about my life, specifically, change my perspective about my God, then I'll see transformation. Because once you change your mind, you can change your direction. Once you change your mind, you can change how you feel. You change your mind, you begin to change what directions you find yourself going in. So, perspective, he says. This morning, I want to talk to you about a king. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The reality of Jesus' coming was that most of the people who heard him teach Heard him preach, saw him heal, saw him perform miracles. They could not really receive him for who he was because they had the wrong perspective. See, he was being born king, but they did not they couldn't understand how could a king be born outside of the palace? How could a king, being a king, not have room for him in the end? How could a king Who's supposed to be so great, not come with great fanfare, great celebration. How could a king be born off on the hillside, off in the, in, in the back hills with just some animals and his mom and his dad? It was a matter of their perspective. They had their own perspective so they could not see. What well, was happening right in front of Turn, if you would, to the Gospel of Saint Luke. <clears throat> the Gospel of Saint Luke, chapter one. Now, unlike most times, I'm gonna—it's a long text. I'm gonna read because I want to give you the full context. Uh, so, we're gonna read from verse 26 down to verse 37. So, Luke chapter one, verse 26 through 37. Blessed are you among women. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and he shall call his he shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great. And he will be called the son of the most of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this now is the sixth month for her, who was called barren for with God nothing will be impossible I want to talk to you today about the king with no impossibilities the king with no impossibilities when we read the story the account of Jesus' birth, there's a couple of different names that pop up, and unless you do a study or you are familiar, uh, very familiar with the story, you may be confused because there's two different kings whose names come up. Uh, there's Caesar's, Caesar Augustus, who ordered actually uh, the census for all of the children to come and be counted, all the people to be counted. And then you find uh, King Herod, King Herod, you find his account that he was the king who thus was ordering that all children to another. when he was trying to figure out, he heard that there was a king, that was a king being born. And so he wanted to stuff him out. So you might be confused about those two kings because you say, well, here's King Augustus, and then Caesar Augustus, and then here's King Herod. Well, here it is. King Caesar Augustus was the actual king of Rome. Herod was what was called a client king of Judea. And so what would happen is a king over a kingdom would then hire or have other kings over certain areas. And so Herod was the king of Judea and at that time in that region he was concerned because there was this rumbling about a king, a Jewish king being born and he did not want anyone to come in and take his place. So at that point, we find that the king, the king, King Augustus, understanding that he has limitations, being that he's in Rome, he's here, but he has limitations on his ability to understand and know all that's going on within his kingdom. Thus, he would then have a client, have client kings who would then be responsible for governing over those areas and then reporting back to him. But in each one of those kings, There was limitation. Herod was limited to the area by which he was now governed, Judea. He was the king of that area, so over that region, he was the man, but he understood that he was subject to the man. He understood that, hey, yes, I'm the man when I'm around here, and all of you make sure you recognize. And King Herod was actually known for his great building projects. He even built a great temple of himself. He was, he was always known for great building projects, so he knew that when around here, everybody know who I am. I'm King Harry. But he also understood that there were other kings within the kingdom who were also client kings, but that when it came down to it, the man next to the man, the man above the man, was King Augustus, Caesar Augustus however reality finds itself in this text that we just read that here now is a king who is coming into the world but his responsibility is to not just be a king because the system i just described for you had a king augustus but there were other kings So there were kings, and kings, and kings. But we find here that this king was coming not to just be a king. Because a king means that there are other kings. And thus, I'm just one in a number. But this king was coming to be not just a king, he was coming to be the king. Here's the reality. Because when you speak of the and a, a speaks means, means that there could be others. But when you say the king, you're saying here is the king. Here's the reality. Because when this king came, he came not only to just be someone who reigns. But it says that he would have an eternal kingdom. And of his dominion there would be no end. Here's what I'm trying to understand. Because, see, Herod knew that once he passed on, Caesar Augustus would then have another king come in. Caesar Augustus knew that when he came off, the, when he died or fell off the scene, that then another king would rise up and rule over over Rome. But here's the thing: when this king came, when this king came, he said there will be no more kings after me. Because of my kingdom, there will be no end. I'm coming to not just be a king, I'm coming to be the king. So if you understand perspective, he's not a Herod who could do many things. He's not a Caesar Augusta who could do many things. He's the king that kings bow down to. He's the king of kings, that even the king has a king. So here's the reality, as we see this unfolding, Mary is faced with some impossibilities. The angel comes to her and says, says, he says, Mary, you're going to have a baby. She says, well, that's impossible because I've never been with the man. I'm engaged to Joseph, but we don't have any relations. So she finds that says, however, it will be so. You will have a baby. The Holy Spirit will come over you. He will impregnate. You will have a baby of the Holy Spirit. Thus your child will be called son of God. But she's also faced with a second impossibility. She had a cousin by the name of Elizabeth, an older cousin. And watch this: and Elizabeth had been barren all of her life. And now she was in her old age. And now God says, and even your cousin Elizabeth, she's got a baby and she's in the sixth month. So right after this, Mary, after hearing this, she says, I got to go see this for myself. She rushes off to go see her, see her cousin Elizabeth. And when she gets there, she finds out Elizabeth's pregnant. So here are two impossibilities that this king, who has no impossibilities, is getting ready and already started to settle the matter because in order to be called king of kings lord of lords you have to be something that no other king has been. you have to do something that no other king has done and in order to stay in that role of king of kings and your dominion never ends then you must have done something That's never been done. And can't be done by anyone else. You must do something that has never been done and can't be done by any other king. Watch this. And have the ability to do something that no other king has done or ever done. The first thing is, no other king was born of a virgin no other king can say that he has no earthly father but only a heavenly father no other king can say that i am the bread that came down from heaven no other king can come and confess and declare that he has a kingdom that will never eat no other king No other king could have a part in his own death and have a say over how his death will take place. Okay. The Egyptian kings, as they would begin to feel ill or progress in age, they would start the building project of their pyramid, which was their tomb. However, you don't know this, but there are some kings who their pyramid was not built by them, but it was built after they died. Because those who were progressing age assumed that eventually I will die at some point. But there were some who were not sick and not old enough and didn't know that their time was coming. And yet being a king, he had no control over his death. But many of those kings were there because they wanted to have an effect on their afterlife. They would fill their tombs with riches and hope that, hey, mummify uh, me. Wrap me up. Keep me pretty. Keep me preserved so that in my next life I'll look good and I'll be rich. But here's the thing. All those, those great kings with all their great efforts it was granted to go into their tombs. they found all of their riches still in there and their body in the same position that it was left however this king who come came on the scene with an impossibility who was announced through an impossibility Who came and lived the life of impossibilities. Because who can raise the dead? Who can open blinded eyes? Who can feed 5,000 with just a little boy's lunch? The answer has to be nobody. So when you begin to get perspective, you say, who can do this? And when your answer emphatically is nobody but Jesus, then you understand that he is the only king with no impossibilities. Because every impossibility he faced, he made it possible. Uh, one particular case, they were, they were talking about uh, a man who had been born blind, and they said, well, there's something different about this guy, because apparently there had been people recorded cases where someone had lost their sight, and regain their sight. We also understand that Jesus uh, in one particular case he actually uh, has a man who he spits on the ground and he he makes a little clay and he puts it on his eyes and he tells the man to go and wash off the clay and the man goes and he washes the clay off and and when he washes off for the first time and he opens his eyes he says I see men but they look like trees. Now from that we can assume that he had seen a tree before Because he says, I see me, and he understood what a man looked like. He said, but they look like trees. Jesus said, wash again. But in another case of man, they said, he had been born blind. And I believe in this case that this man was born without eyes in his socket. So when they record... The em- emphasis on the fact that he was born blind, I believe what they're trying to show us is that this man, unlike others who had lost sight, who had the capacity or the, ha- the, the, the facility to, to see, but had lost the ability to see. But this man has no, not the ability nor the facility to see. So how can he do this? So I believe that even the man who was born with nothing there, when Jesus got done praying for him, he had what he needed to see and the ability to see. Thus they were stating that basically this man has just done something that is impossible to do. Why is this important? Because unto us a child is born. See, the unto us speaks of a gift. Unto means to to present to. Unto. I give this unto you. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. That God has given us a king who has no impossibility. But it's a matter of your perspective. Turn to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 22, and I'm done. Verse 20, I'm sorry. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. A matter of perspective. Because the king that we have is the king of kings. The Lord of hosts. He has no impossibility. However, if you believe him to be only able to do what you see him doing, Or what you've seen him do, then you have actually limited him because he is the God of no impossibilities. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Are you there? Paul the apostle, as he's, as he's kind of concluding what he's saying, he makes a declaration. He says, listen, now unto him. Now unto him, now unto him. Let's look unto him. Let's 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 change our perspective about him. For now unto him who is able. Now unto him who is able. Able speaks of capacity. Now unto him, unto him who has the capacity. Now unto him who has the ability, now unto him who is able, now unto him who is able, watch this now, now unto him who is able to do, because here's the thing, have you known anyone in your life who promised things that you question whether they can actually do it. But you hope they could. You were you were hopeful. You know, he said, he said I'm so honest. He seemed like he, he seemed like okay, watch well, said, Hire you somebody with a ladder in the back of their truck so they can fix your whole house. Uh-huh. Within the first week you realize you were, hey, you're using a saw. You should bro, I don't think he's supposed to. You know that he shouldn't be doing that. And you don't know much about doing anything, right? Now unto them, him who is able to do, that he doesn't make promises that he cannot fulfill, that he's never made a promise that he cannot do. He's never said he can do something, he will do something that he cannot do. Now unto him who is able to do whatever he said he was going to do, now unto him who has the capacity, the ability, and the facility to do the next thing. Exceeded. exceeding means to go overboard now unto him who's able to go past now unto him who's able to go beyond that's what exceeding means now unto him who's able to go further now unto him who's able to go past beyond further now it was able to do exceedingly. The next word is abundantly. What's Because see, abundantly means that you never lose the ability to do. Watch this: that if you have to do it a hundred times, you still have enough to do it a hundred and one. And if you have to do it a million times, you still have enough to do it a million and one. If I can do it a billion times, you still have enough to do it a billion at one time. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding, abundantly, and then this almost seems redundant, but I think you need to see it, above. Because here's what I sometimes when we're going through trial, all we can see that it around is what's going on around us. But it's hard for us to see a where we are. Because if I could ever see a bird, I could look down and say, oh, it ain't so bad. But he's still ain't Watch this now. Sometimes we have things that happen that seem to be so big that I can't seem to reach it. We're coming in the other night and and so um, with that little coat rack as you come in the door. And it was up so high, it was up too high for little George to so come in. And he was standing there. I'm gonna come off the stage up now, I don't trust to be jumping up there. So, so he, he 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 standing at the rack and he had his coat and he was jumping. Trying to put his coat on the hook. I said, George, what's wrong? He said, Dad. Is too high for me. But if you help me, yes. if you help me, it'll get done. I said, son, I'm more than happy to help all you have to do it ask. And I'm trying you, now unto him who's able to do it exceedingly abundantly above all you. is stopping at the impossible to complain. (laughs) Notice that the pastor say, now unto him who's able to deal with your complaint. Now unto him who's able to deal with your passing out. Now unto him who's able to handle if you faint. want to him yes. who's able yes. to do it, see yes. abundantly, yes. above all. What is that you ask? Right. I got to work on my asking. Yes. So I got to work on my asking. Rather than falling and passing, I, I got to work on my asking. But it goes back to how we started or that's perspective it brings us all the way back to perspective see because if you can't think of God being able to be your deliverer how can you believe in the people if you cannot think of God being your healer how can you believe in the people now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all we ask or think, but watch this now, according to the power that works in you. This king has no impossibility. The problem is we're so limited in our perspective here. We say, God, would you do it? You said, Pastor, I got you. That's a great sermon. You sweating up there, and pumping all around, and walking and pacing. I got it. All right, all right. Now unto him was able to do exceeding abundantly. See, now unto him we're able to do exceeding abundant above all we ask or think, according to the power that's working in you. You know if the power is working in you, you'll take it. See, it's not a matter of whether God has the ability to do it. The question is, can you believe in it? But I believe, no. Because if you believe, there will be done. But I did believe. You can't tell me I didn't believe. What you say. The reality is, faith is not just believing. Because faith requires trusting. Faith requires trusting because Peter walked on water believing. He started to sink when he stopped trusting. See, faith got him out of the boat, trust, a lack of trust caused him to sink. He says, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come to you. Jesus says, come, he gets out of the boat. And the Bible says that he began to look around at the wind and the water around him. And he began to sink. Because that's where his trust started to fail him. Now unto him, was able to do a exceeding, but above all you ask and think. You gotta trust that he's able. You have to trust that hey, he can do it. This is important because the next, next week Next week, next Sunday is New Year's Eve. The Lord is impressive on me for us to have every year in our 15 years, just about, I think we were missed maybe two, one or two, maybe three years where we did have a New Year's Eve service That we brought the year in, in worship. Starting at 10 o'clock, serve, have service up to, to midnight and shout out uh, Happy New Year, to go home. This year the Lord is impressive on <coughs> me for us to have not a typical service, but a faith service. Yeah. 7 o'clock. We're not going to stay till the year. Well, the Lord's keep working. We'll be here till, till he finished. Yeah. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to believe God. I want you to believe that he's concerned about things that concern you. I want you to believe that faith is working in you and that faith is power. Faith is your power and your ability to then access God's ability. Let me share this and I'll be done. We were having trouble with our cable, our AT&T. And so we were having trouble and the gentleman came out and he said, I'm not sure what's going on, they've giving us new boxes, they looked at everything. And here's what he said. He said, I'm going to go down the street and I'm going to walk the line that comes from the main box to this area. He said, I'm going to walk the line and, and make sure that there's no break in the line. Watch this now. He said, I'm going to go to where the source, the, the source is, but I'm going to walk the line that acts, that, that gives you access to the I will walk the line to make sure there's no trouble in the line because if there's trouble in the line for you accessing, then you won't get to see See the reality is this, God has the ability. The question is, where's the break in our trust line? So I'm going to ask you to walk the line. Lord, if there's any break, because I'm, I'm coming believing. I'm coming trusting. I'm coming expecting. I'm coming looking. Because I believe that you have the power to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all I ask or think, according to what? The power of working in me. Even my faith. So we're gonna come doing one thing. Believe. We'll Seven o'clock. We should have one Sunday morning worship at eleven. We'll come back. Seven o'clock. Seven o'clock sharp. Because here's the thing. Have you ever Believe something big, good good was going to happen to you? Did anybody have to stir you to get there? And I believe God. When he said to me, I am the king that has no impossibilities. I've shown you that every impossibility that greeted him possible. The final part of that it says with God nothing shall be impossible. The final passage for you is found in Mark chapter 9, 23. Turn that please. Mark chapter 9. And I want you to get this into your spirit all week long. Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Are you there? Write this down. Write it on the table of your heart and get it into your spirit. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. He says so, he says, if you can believe. Not will you believe, but if you can. Because the if speaks of the lack of trust, the doubt. But the beauty in this passage, because this God supplies every need, look at the man's response. You see the next verse? Verse 23, look, look 24, look when the Father yells out and says. He says, Lord. Immediately, the father of the child, cried out and said, Lord, we teach